0: As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church.
1: It's good to hear those stories, isn't it? Those are real people, those aren't hired actors, those are people right here in our church experiencing freedom. Now let's give the Lord a praise, huh? I love that. I mean, it's just it's awesome to hear if you're visiting with us, if you're joining us online, I want to welcome you and I want to talk to you about this. We're in a series. It's called Finding Freedom. We've dedicated the first seven weeks of this new year to finding freedom from all kinds of behaviors, all kinds of hurts that cause difficulty in our relationships with others, in our relationship with God, and most importantly, all that relates to us that we want to find the freedom that God wants for us to discover and to understand so that we could live our lives in a way that's pleasing to him so that's what we're doing this series today's topic it's a tough one because I think it hits all of us let me give you a study that I found on anger that's what we're talking about so let's give some statistics about anger of people have a close friend or family member who has trouble controlling their anger. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but we do. There's people in our families that are struggling. How about this statistic? Not sure if I'm buying this one. 10% of people have trouble controlling their own anger. Remember, this is a survey that people filled out. I think there's a little disingenuousness here that you don't want to be transparent and honest. I think it's higher than 10%. Anybody agree? Yeah, it is. 25% of people say they worry about how angry they sometimes feel. How about this statistic? 20% of people have ended a relationship or friendship with somebody because of their anger, their temper, their inability to control themselves. 60% of people agree that people in general are getting angrier. Who would agree with this? It's happening. All you got to do is get on a plane and a little bit of problem happens and it's, it, people are getting more upset, the frustration level. Less than 15% of people have sought help for their anger problems. That's, that's, that's unfortunate. Even more unfortunate, 50% of people don't know where to seek help. That, that's why we're dedicating this seven weeks. 45% of us regularly lose our temperate work. of drivers say they have been involved in road rage accidents, 80%. I don't have the statistic, but um, 25% of the people said they're the ones causing the road rage. I think most of those are in the parking lot here at our church. And then lastly, 50% of us have overreacted to computer problems with anger. 50%? I think that's a lot higher. Anybody agree with me? Hitting that computer. 95% of us are doing that. Kicking that thing. I mean, whatever it is. But the truth is this. Let me say it like this. Set all that to say this. If you've been born before, after 1985, you're not going to understand this. Houston, we have a problem. What's that mean? It means we've got an issue with controlling our anger, and it gets expressed in ways that are unhealthy to ourselves, to others, and yes, to God. And so that's where we're going. And so how are we going to tackle this one today? Open your Bibles to James chapter one. I want to show you two verses that have been a help to me. They've given us an equation to be free from anger. That's the title of our message, Freedom from Anger. These two verses are going to give us an equation. And so let's take a look at these verses from James chapter one. It's really, really, I love this because it shows us what the situation is. Read with me as, as let's read this together. Begin with me nice and loud. Look at the screen or look at your Bibles, whatever translation you have. Let's read this together. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. Slow to, speak. Slow to hear. Produce the righteousness of God. Those are the two verses. Here's our equation. Let's put it up on the board. It's right from the scripture. Quick to hear. Mathematicians are loving this. Plus slow to speak. Plus slow to anger. Those got to be added together. And then this is the thing. The multiplier effect is time's desire for righteousness. And that's going to equal freedom from anger. Over the years, God's freed me from some stuff that I never went back to, that I didn't have a desire for. Anybody ever experienced that? I mean, that is awesome, man. When he just, like, you don't have a heart for it, you don't want to do it, you don't, and, and, and you move forward. But there's other areas where you take a step back and you take a step forward and you take another step back Anybody, don't leave me up here on the stage alone. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could say that this is an area that I have had ultimate freedom in and that I'm coming to you today and I have never stumbled. It's not. This is an area of continued growth and I think it might be true of many of us that, that God wants to help us and so what I'm gonna share, I'm gonna open up my heart to you. I hope that it's gonna help you these verses have helped me. And so to start, I wanna, before we look at the equation and develop each part from the scripture, what I wanna do is I wanna give you like the back or um, the backdrop or set the table, maybe as a better analogy, and what the Bible says about anger. So there's three types of anger in the Bible. If you're a note taker, this is great. You gotta write this down or take a picture of the screen. This is very helpful. We got a lot of graphs and a lot of charts today. First type of anger is divine anger. That's God's holy anger towards sin and disobedience. And so that's clear in his word. That's stuff that violates his word, that God's going to make things right. The scripture in Romans chapter one says, the wrath of God will be revealed against all ungodliness, against all wickedness, against all those who suppress the truth. God has a divine anger for Truth and what's right, it's revealed in his word. Second type of anger is righteous anger. This is the kind with us, this next two. And the righteous anger is the human anger that acts and reacts for right reasons, in the right way, in the right degree, at the right time. That's the four things pretty hard to achieve. Don't miss it. Righteous anger is I'm angry about the things that God's angry about not the things that I want or that I need or it's what God wants and what God desires. We're united on that. The scriptures teach that the anger, the divine anger, and there's anger that we have, and if you trace that word anger through the scripture and the one that relates to us, 47 times the most common word it's used and 47 times out of those 47 times, 42 of them are unrighteous anger. 42 of them are the fact that no, it's not righteous anger, but it's unrighteous. And so what that means is that 89 math majors, 89% of the time in the scriptures, their anger, the people's, it's not righteous for what God wants, it's unrighteous for what they want. Question. How do you think our percentage is? I wonder if I took a poll in the church. I think 89% probably is true that we're we're more prone for unrighteous anger than righteous. And this is human anger that acts or reacts for wrong reasons in the wrong way. And that's what we're saying, that's from James chapter one, verse 20. That's the unrighteousness. And so as the scripture tells us in verse 20, It says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God that God requires, that God desires, that God wants. So these are the three types of anger that we see in the scriptures. If we double-click on unrighteous, there's two categories, two groups. This is where you gotta look at yourself and you gotta be honest. Unrighteous anger, two groups. Let's put it up on the screen. There's red-hot anger and there's ice-cold. So again, we're, we're just painting, we're just kind of setting the foundation for the biblical teaching. And so the red hot anger, I think that's a pretty obvious one. Love the little emoji here. What, what's he do? This is a person that explodes. This is the person that blows up, that, that their anger is revealed, that they're aggressive, they can become volatile and agitated at the smallest things. And, and Proverbs 15 describes this as a hot-tempered person who stirs up strife. That's the red hot. But oftentimes we think it's just that person. No, there's the ice cold. And this is the person that kind of pushes it down. And they can be angry and still have a smile on their face. Or they, they, and it's, it's described as, they don't explode, they implode. It's what's happening internally. And they turn to something and they do something. and They clam up and their anger's concealed. It results in passive aggressive behaviors it can be extremely vindictive. And Hebrews chapter 12 is the verse we picked here. See to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. That's what happens when you push it down. There's just going to be this root of bitterness. So question. 11 o'clock service. Smartest one. Which one is worth? And silence hit the crowd. I, I don't know. I think they're both bad. Agree? I think the point is, which one do you have? Are you more like this, or are you more like this? And, and you say, well, I don't know. Well, just go ahead and ask your spouse if you're married, because they'll tell you, or ask your kid, or, or ask your close friend. I mean, like what characteristics are more like you? And, and so let me help you. Again, we're talking about the unrighteous. There's the righteous, there's the unrighteous. There's the unrighteous, then let's let's do it. Let's have a little help. Put the next graph on. Is my anger righteous or unrighteous? And so let's say you're angry for the wrong reasons. I don't know what's a wrong reason. Hey, the kid spilled the orange drink on the white carpet again. What is happening around here? Hey, my boss, he just put another load of stuff on my desk. I mean, what what is going on around here? And And if we're angry for the wrong reason and we express it wrongly, he's a jerk, isn't he? What's wrong with you? Then then that's unrighteous, right? Are we seeing it? And and if we're angry for the right reasons, hey, you know what? I'm extremely frustrated at what's happening in our world and it doesn't line up with God's word and we talk about sexuality and what God's word teaches and what we're seeing in our world and all these things and and I just caught my teenagers smoking, my teenager's smoking pot. I mean, we might be angry for the right reasons, but if it's expressed in the wrong way, then, then what? You know where this is going, right? This is, this is, this is Facebook. It's like you, you you're making, like like we're unrighteous in our, our anger. Angry for the wrong reason. Expressed rightly it's still unrighteous. So remember the statistics I gave you before that in the Bible, we're talking about 89% of the times where it's talking about the human anger, it, it's unrighteous. And, and so there's only this last column, if I anger for the right reasons because it aligns with God and who he is and what he wants, it doesn't have to do with how I feel, it doesn't have to do with you know the, the game that I'm watching that the ref blew the call and i'm anger expressed rightly then it's 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 righteous anger. god's heart god's desire what god wants helpful so how do we get to this column more consistently because we want to live more here than in this place and so that's where the formula comes in let's take a look at it we'll take a look at the formula we'll look at each of these phrases you'll see them right in the text Quick to hear is right in the scripture in the middle of verse 19. If we double click on this word quick, it's only used one time in the New Testament in the original language. It literally means to be ready. Some versions translate it like that. Think about yourself. I mean, I remember when I was a kid and we'd go out sledding and my mom would get me ready and she would put a coat on me and then she'd put a scarf and strangle me and then she'd put mittens on me and then she'd put a face mask on me and then put boots on and there was like plastic in my boots. And anybody hit a mom like that? I mean, I'm trying to go sledding. I'm like, I can't even move. I mean, but that was ready. Maybe you've been in the hospital recently or you went to see the doctor and they had to give you a shot and three, two, one, just count it off. Please, I'll be ready. They... they, they, uh, they put the anesthetic on it and, and then you know, maybe you look or maybe you're like me and you're, I'm not looking and, 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 but you're ready. You get yourself ready. We have to be ready to hear and so it takes preparation to get ourselves ready and so these are three A words that Jody and I teach as we do marriage conferences and so we do these because active listening, when the active listening skills increase, then the anger decreases. There's more understanding. And so being quick to hear, that here in the original language means to hear with knowledge and understanding and perception that I can tell what's happening. And so we gotta be attentive because we gotta read the signs. So read the body language of a person. Be attentive to them. Read their body language. Whether or not they're listening, you you wanna be able to. It's, It's about not being not being distractive. You wanna be, I don't wanna be looking at my phone. You wanna give the person your full attention, so we wanna be attentive. Peter Drucker, the great business guru, he says it like this, he says, the greatest thing in communication is hearing what's not being said. Are you catching that? That's the quick to hear, I'm I'm perceiving. I could read past what I'm seeing and understand what the person is saying. How about this next one? Be affirming. And to be affirming is you, you want to try to draw out of the person. And so, you know, words like, you know, I'm a girl dad, so, I mean, I got three daughters, and so I've had to learn to be extremely affirming, and you got to sit down, and you got to draw it out of them, and once you just do, the floodgates open up with the females, are you hearing me? And so it's like, oh, yeah, tell me about that, and yeah, mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I wanna affirm. And over the years, there's been a lot of stress with all that estrogen in the house, are you hearing me? And so all the bad haircuts, think about it, from junior high and high school and college and even now. And and so I'd be, no, it it looks okay. Be affirming and I've learned to say a couple things. You know what, hey, it'll grow back, don't say that. (laughs) I'll pay for the extensions, don't say that either. But but we want to draw it out. Husbands, let me give you two, three words that you need to learn in your marriage. Any husbands out there? Give me a hand raise. Husbands, okay, three words, very simple. Just repeat with me, all the guys, including you. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Just tell me more. Honey, tell me more. Tell me more about that situation. Just tell me more. All the wives in here, please know this. When your husband is saying, tell me more, he doesn't want to know more. He has no indication. He doesn't really want to. He's just doing it because he thinks he has to. But in all seriousness, if you're like me, I like the headlines. I don't want all the details. I don't want the whole story. I don't want to read the back page. I just want to read the headlines. I'm done. And sometimes that's how we are. But we've got to learn to be more affirmative and to draw things out. And when our listening skills increase, then our anger, really our understanding decreases because we can understand the situation a lot better. Make sense? And so the third thing is to be available. And so statistics are funny. I, you know, we do this a lot with marriage, as I said. And, and so um, the average couple only communicates 27 minutes per week. That's four minutes a day. I mean, that's not good. <laughs> And so Jody and I have learned there's two kinds of meetings that you need to have. And so there's what we call calendar meetings, another C word, connection meetings. Calendar meetings are about where we need to be and where the kids need to be and they need to be driven over here and we need to take them over there and it's got piano over here and we got this on this day. Anybody had that craziness? And it can lead to a lot of frustration. Am I just here alone or what? I mean, this is Naperville. You got your kids signed up for way too much, I know. Because I've been there. And the the truth is, it's like the calendar meeting is all about, like, we got to get, where are we going? And I'm flying out over here. You're doing this. And you got this class. And and so we're just trying to to understand where are everybody supposed to be? I remember, praise God, hallelujah, when the oldest got her driver's license. Anybody remember that? And then she became the taxi, not us. And then the two oldest got licensed. And then they would drive the youngest. And it was so awesome. It was just so wonderful. And so Jody and I are just sitting back, never have to pick these kids up again. Then the two oldest went to college. There's still permanent scars from our youngest that we forgot about her constantly. She's like, dad, no worries. Don't worry about it. I've left at church again. I'm left at the school again. It's all right. Alien Arian aren't picking me up, but that's okay. I, drive, I, I called an Uber. I, I mean, I'm just serious though, but your life can be out of control. Calendar meetings, connection meetings, very different. Some call it date night. Doesn't have to be a date night. Just, just you connect on a deeper level. You talk about your hurts. You talk about your fears. You talk about your failures. You talk about... The things that are meaningful. Where are we going? How are you doing? You can't mix those two. Jody and I still, on Mondays, we have a calendar meeting that we got to sit down and this is what's going on. Why? Because it alleviates frustration. Unmet expectations. Helpful? These are the three A's that do what? we got to be active listeners because we want to be, what the Bible says, quick to hear. We want to be prepared to hear. Second um, part of the equation is that we want to be slow to speak and so you know um, since I told you what these mean in the original language let me go slow to speak this phrase in the original language I mean do, do you guys care when I do all this research and I look up all the meanings is it good is it helpful I mean is you know so this this Greek phrase put a lot of time into this trying to figure out what, what exactly does this mean because I, I want to share it with you so so if I double click on this it just means shut your trap <laughs> that's what my mom used to say in a very loving tone. But, but it's true, it's just like, you know, it, sometimes we overcomplicate it. James is a very practical book written by Jesus' half-brother, and, and we just gotta, we just gotta, we gotta shut up. And, and we, we're just, it's the verbal diarrhea. Like, like some people, have you ever been in a conversation with that person? And it's like, you can never get an ed, word in edgewise? I mean, it, it's just, it's distracting. We've got to, if we want to reduce, the we gotta be slow to speak. So Proverbs says a lot about this. I picked three for us. And so let's take a look at each of the Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent, is wise. So we gotta think before we speak. How many people with a show of hands, they know somebody, you know someone who doesn't think before they speak? Leave your hand up if it's you. I mean, Oftentimes, you're just blurting out the next thing. And, and, and so we got to be wise to, if we want to hear, we, we've we, we got to be, think before we speak. Second thing is this, that, that we got to avoid false accusations and sweeping generalizations. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word, it, it just stirs the pot. And so what do I mean by false accusations, like things that aren't proven, things that aren't known, that... What do I mean by sweeping generalizations? How about this? It's like, you always, you never, you only. Like, do you see how that just stirs the pot? And like we're saying, you always do this. You never, I mean, those are wild generalizations that aren't true. And all you're doing, it's you're throwing gas on a potential fire that's gonna spread. Jody we do this thing we call a, kitchen sink fights. Do you know what a kitchen sink fight is? Uh, it's everything that you do this. It's like you're in this little argument or let's just call it a disagreement. And then the next thing you know, the spouse or your friend or somebody else, they, they pull something out from three years ago. They pull something out from, oh, I thought, we, 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 you never even told me that. And they, it's just like everything's coming at you but the kitchen sink. And, and But the truth is, and we're, we're making light of a situation where we're pulling back things because we've stuffed them down We've never dealt with them. And, and, and what are we doing? We're, we're stirring the pot instead of settling. And that can lead to a lot of difficulty and frustration and, and tempers flare. And like, like these are the things that, that we want to avoid. And so next, how about attack the problem, not the person? And Proverbs 21 says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. And so this is really important that, you know, we always say it like this, that, you know, Jody used to beat it into my head. The we is better than the me. Like together, if we, you know, let's, let's be together on the situation and, and attack it together, not the person. And so we've got to identify what is the actual problem that we're trying to solve. And, and, and oftentimes with us, I mean, it just, it's just so foolish. Like we don't argue about things that are that meaningful. It's just the little stupid things. And, and, and oftentimes we get ourselves in these things and, and it's not about the person, it's about the problem. And if we could put our energy towards attacking the problem, it, it would be really helpful. So again, another statistic as a girl dad, it's like it, what, what, what happens is that it takes five good things that you need to say to replace one bad thing. Are you, are you catching that so there's if you you know you, you say one thing and some of us were still in our minds we're still replaying some tapes of something someone said about us or some person in authority or even your mother or your father, somebody who said something and and it wasn't true it isn't true, and we're still defining ourselves by that thing that they said when that is from the father of lies, and that isn't true of you and so psychologists will tell us it takes five things to replace one thing and they can't all come at the same time it's like honey you're gorgeous you're beautiful I love you you're awesome you're wonderful five six we throw another one in you're beautiful on the inside like like, that's not gonna help the thing that you said in the midst of the situation when you failed to attack the problem and all you did was attack the person who can help you solve the problem helpful Next part of the equation, Uh, let's keep going guys. So quick to hear, I just did slow to speak. Now we're gonna talk about slow to anger. And so again, these are right in the text. And so notice in your text, it doesn't say don't be angry. How come? Well, it says slow to anger because Anger, understand, put your thinking caps on. Anger in itself is not a sin. Anger is an emotion. Unrighteous anger displayed inappropriately and acted upon is sinful, yes. But anger is just an emotion and it's, it's like the dashboard lights on your car. It, it tells you that there's a potential problem that could be happening in the engine. It doesn't say, the problem isn't with the dashboard lights. The problem is in the car. And so your emotions, when they rise up, they're just they're indicating that there's a problem. It's how you respond or fail to respond. That, that that's where the sin happens. And so again, it's really important what's the trigger behind the um, that's happening with the emotion that, that's causing that. So we talk a lot about um, triggers. And and these are the things that we need to identify. And so if we could put this list on the screen, these are the common triggers for anger. I like to just refer to them as anger triggers. And so it it could be, and I'm not going to go over all these, but this is what's behind it. And you need to do the legwork to figure out and ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that's causing me to feel this way, to respond this way? And it could be hurt and betrayal and rejection. Could be loneliness, exhaustion, you know, just more coming at you. You know, it's like, I, I gotta be honest. Like, it's like, oh, do this, and do this, and well, this person has a need, and this, and this. And, and you just, you, you, it's your job, you just get so weighed down. And you don't feel like you're doing anything, and you're not, being, you're not getting enough off your plate, and you're a type A personality. How can I not get this? And, and, and the frustration, and then it comes out in anger. Outwardly or inwardly, as you push down, and you become vindictive, or you become passive aggressive. I mean, it can happen in the home. It's just like this. On a Saturday, you're home. It's like the list of stuff you gotta get. I didn't get anything done. Got the three little kids watching the kids. I mean, I'm watching the kids all day and, 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 and I, didn't get any, I feel like I didn't accomplish anything. No, you did accomplish a lot. But, but we, we fool ourselves and, and we become frustrated because we failed to do some things. Common triggers are stress and shame, hopelessness, helplessness. I mean, you can read through the list. There, there, I'll add another one now. Uh, if we had another uh, peer here, I'd put humiliation, humiliation. I'd put another H word, hunger. Hanger is a real thing. There's two people in our home, all honesty now, there's two people in our home that if you don't give them a Snickers bar or a sandwich, look out. And its I only had an egg today, a hard-boiled egg. And one of them is me. Somebody go get me a banana right now. No, I'm kidding. I, the other one, let's just call it out. It's just not me. I got that daughter out, out, out east. And man, it's like, get that girl something to eat right now. And, but, but seriously, it, it's, you know, we're joking, but there's, there's things that are behind it. And, and it's causing something. You've got to do the work to figure out what's behind it. It's ruining relationships. And so, so here's some put this next slide up. I I told you we were going to graph you to death today. Um, Put the next slide up. These are the three common roots of anger. And so this is where the hard work begins. It's hurt from unmet needs. When needs aren't met, we feel hurt. And when we're hurt, we we become angry. And so, so it's like, you know, you didn't do this. You didn't accomplish this. How about the next one? And, and, you know, frustration from unmet expectations. That's what I was telling you about. It's like you don't feel like you're getting anything done. You, that person didn't do what they said they were going to do. The kid was supposed to do that. Why didn't they do it? How come they didn't clean the garage? What have they been doing all day? I mean, this is frustration. When there's unexpected change or an unfulfilled expectation, we become frustrated, and that leads to anger. And then thirdly, see, these are the roots. This is what you've got to get beyond it. And, and, and so, insecurity from being threatened. And so, I've been around, a, you know, I've had the fortune to be around a lot of leaders. I mean, you know, whether it's a coach or um, a people in business when I was in the business world, I, I mean, pastors. Like, sometimes the most declarative and authoritative, and you think that the, these pastors are this leader, and they're just like, man, they're just, and, and, but they got a little bit of a, you know, it's like they got a short fuse. And you think, where's that coming from? How how could, you know, a lot of times we don't realize it's from insecurity. It's there's an insecurity that they can't control the situation. And so they push other people down. And and so it's when our self-esteem is under attack or, or well-being is in danger. We feel insecure and insecurity leads to outbursts of anger. Again, helpful. So, so, so what are we supposed to do? I mean. These are are the things that are causing a lot of difficulty with us. Can can you give us some handles? Yeah, let me try to, you know, I've already said, this is an area of struggle for me. So over the years, um, since I became a Christian, um, in my late 20s, I I tried a lot of different things. And so, you know, I remember when Jody and I first got married, it's like we we had what we called anger timeouts. That was like we're in a 10-rounder, 12-rounder, you hear what I'm saying? And anybody at any time could just call timeout, and we'd go to our corners and, and we just needed a break, or we're gonna say something or do something that's gonna be bad. We're gonna throw something out that is not gonna be helpful. And so maybe you need to institute some anger timeouts. Another thing that I've done in the past is an anger journal. What's an anger journal? That's pretty obvious. It, You get a journal out and you think about through the day, whether during the day when it's happening or after the day at night, and then you gotta get that thing out and you gotta put what time, what was happening, what you did, and try to identify what was behind it. What was the frustration? What exactly was it? Insecurity, hurt, unmet what what is it? And I'm telling you, please, if you're struggling with this, you do that for a week. Whether it's ice-cold anger or hot anger, where you're pushing things in. Do it for a week, and then after that, you're just like, I gotta get free from this. But, but again, you're just trying to get to the, to, the, to the root of what exactly is being happening that's causing this frustration. Um, one of the things we've done is, I, I used to do this, and, I mean, I just do an anger walk. And so instead of saying the wrong thing, instead of, you know, I, I couldn't handle it, and just go out the front door. We used to uh, live in, uh, uh, right across the street from an elementary school, and so literally it was like two steps away. So I would just get out of the house and I'd walk around the elementary school, around the playground, and around the you know the baseball field, and all the way over here. And and then by the time I got home, I just felt like I could walk in the door and I, I got a fresh vision. I prayed, like Lord, help me, and 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 just that that I could I could reengage. I won't tell you what school it is, because. If you go to that school right now, there's actually a moat there in the school because I walked around it so much. And so it's like, you know. But I really need you to understand this. I could tell you to do an anger journal. I could tell you to do an anger walk. I can tell you to do all kinds of things, but that's not where the power comes from. That's the next part of our equation. And if you don't have this, it's the desire for righteousness. Like like, this isn't a self-help church. This isn't psychology today, do these three things. This is about what? This is about what the Bible says and our relationship with God, that we have to have a desire for change, a desire for godliness and holiness and righteousness. And that's what we see in the text with these, in the same two verses. Let me point out a couple phrases. In verse 19 it says, my beloved brothers. And so my beloved brothers, James is writing this to believers sisters included, that they've professed Jesus as their Savior and Lord. They've turned to him in repentance and faith. Have you done that? Because that's who this is written to and you won't have the power to change without the power of Christ in you. The hope of glory. And in the next phrase, it's like the righteousness of God. It, it's like, that's what he's saying. It's that, that for the anger of man, it's not gonna produce that. It, it's not about our righteousness and that we're good. In and of ourselves, we're unrighteous. In and of ourselves, we're unholy. We want his righteousness. We want his holiness. We want his strength. Anybody with me? Or you want a victory. So you can try all these little things to try to improve yourself. You can look in the mirror and practice PMA, positive mental attitude. I am good. I am nice. I'm awesome. It it doesn't work. You can't overcome this in your flesh, you have to overcome this through the Spirit of God, and that's the desire for righteousness. Do you really want to change? You just gotta come to terms with that. Some of us are trying to change someone else. Some of us are trying to do it on our own strength. I'm gonna solve this, I'm gonna fix this, we're not going down the tubes, we're gonna, no, no, you're not, you can't fix it. It's a desire for righteousness. So at the end of our services, CJ will do it this, today I mean we always say walk in his strength it goes up on the screen sometimes I feel like ah, eh, is it cheesy or no it's not because it comes from John chapter 15 5 and when we started the church over 20 years ago um we did we closed every service because I wanted to be the reminder of yeah I gave you some good practical tips tips and we help and, and and but whatever I say if you don't walk in his strength you will be unsuccessful and that's from John chapter 15, verse five. Jesus says, apart from me, you can't do anything. Nothing that's going to last. You can't weed this temper out of you. Like you need God's strength. You need his help. That's, the mo- that's why it's the multiplier. Put the equation up again. That's why it is the multiplier. It's the times. It's that, going it's it's to produce the change that you can't. And then we get freedom. More freedom more consistent freedom. Don't fool yourself. You can get through this. I know, maybe your spouse has given up on you. You know what? You can do it through Christ. Hey, you're causing damage, and and you can get it. God can solve this. This root of bitterness that is causing you to, 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 to have this attitude and to think this way, forgiveness is available. It's the righteousness of Christ that gives us freedom. And so I'm going to direct you to the next group of verses. It says next in verse 21. Love it. Therefore, put away all filthiness, all rampant wickedness, and receive the meekness of the implanted word. There's the secret. Have you received the word of God? And it says it's able to save your souls. The word of God ignited by the spirit of God and the people of God. I mean, change is possible, and then it gives this common illustration in verse 22 that many of us know. But if we're doers of the word and not simply hearers, we got to be doers and not hearers or only, or we're deceiving ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he or she is like a person who looks intently at their natural face in the mirror, and they look at himself and they go away, and all they forget what they they were like. But the one who looks at the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law of Christ, the Christ in me, the the righteousness from him. It says, and perseveres. Got to stick with it. Got to, got to, got to, got to get success in this. Got to keep going. Being not only, not no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He or she will be blessed in what he's doing. I'm just asking God to bless us in our doing through his Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. We can get victory. And So probably my favorite part of this series that we're doing, and I, I want to give um, uh, you know Pastor Craig, who is the location pastor who oversees our locations. He I just got a text from them actually right now. He's down in Monmouth, and so he's teaching down in Monmouth. A lot of this comes from um, the the material comes from our hope groups, and so Pastor Craig has been the author of a lot of that, and. Um, so he's been going to, where's he been the last few weeks? If you've been coming, you're like, where's Craig? It's CJ's here. What's going on? Craig's gone? What's happening? No, Craig has been teaching at all our other locations. And it's just been cool to see what the Lord does and what he has been doing. And so we've been sharing freedom stories from what's called hope groups. Pastor Craig leads them here on Wednesday nights. And, and what he does is they go through a lot of this material that we, that we want to see freedom and put it in, a, in a groups where we can experience that. Jody and I, we're doing another marriage group. So it's called Tightening the Knot and that's gonna start in February. And so we're gonna do six weeks and we're gonna talk about a lot of these things that can help us to to overcome these things. But what I love about this series is each week we're having a real live testimony, a freedom story. And so this week, buckle up, hold on to your hats, man. This is intense. So just when you watch this story, just, just think about what God wants to do in you. If he can free him from that, he, he can free you from what you're wrestling with. Take
0: a look at the screen and listen to my friend Ken. Whenever I feel hurt in my marriage, my tendency is to keep my feelings inside. This hurt can come from feeling misunderstood after an argument or an unfulfilled request, or from feeling rejected or neglected. In the past, I would occasionally get the courage to talk about some of these feelings with my wife, but when the outcome wasn't how I wanted it to be, I would feel stuck, and my reaction would be to just withdraw and promise I'll never talk about it again. Sometimes I would turn to pornography as a way out and as a way of getting back in the form of silent, addictive punishment. Whenever I'd wake up the next morning, I would feel so much guilt and shame and regret. Sometimes when I was alone, I would take off my sweatshirt and just whip it on the floor out of frustration and anger. Other times I would disengage and not say much to my wife for several days, or I would snap back at my wife over insignificant things. And two years ago, I reached my lowest point. I knew that something had to change in my life or else another decade would go by where I would continue living with this anger and resentment and sexual sin. And that's when I joined Hope Group. Despite my fear of disclosure, I chose to share my struggle in front of the whole group. And that was the turning point for me. When I laid it all out there for everyone to see, it forced me to stop blaming other people and making excuses and instead I had to take direct responsibility for my thoughts and my actions. I discovered through that process that my anger and resentment towards my wife was fueling my addiction. And I was using that anger to justify my decision to look at pornography in that moment of temptation. Now, once I realized that my anger was a sin and a problem, I kept sharing that as my prayer request at my table every week. But after about three to four months of sharing that, I'd had enough. I realized that anger was destroying me. Then one day during a conversation with my wife, I was ready and I finally let go of it. The Lord changed my heart and I surrendered to contentment. At that moment, I could feel the weight lifted off my shoulders. My attitude completely changed and I could feel freedom. I've been free from my anger and resentment and free from my past sexual addiction ever since. And my life has been transformed by the power of God. The guilt and shame is gone, and I have no fear now because I am truly free. My name is Kent, and I thank God that he's freeing me from my anger. That's awesome, man. man.
1: So we're going to move into a close now, and this is a this is time for you to spend a moment with God. And so this is the most important time. After hearing a story like that, if God freed him, he can free you. And so I just want you to look at this equation that's on the screen. And I want you to just identify what is it? What's what's the thing? what's what's the component that 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 God wants to work on me in? What's the component that I need to focus on right now? And and God will make it clear. And He'll give you the strength. Maybe it is about a desire for righteousness that that you're desiring more of him and less of you, that that you can overcome these things. And so I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads in a moment. Seth and Rochelle are gonna start singing over us in a moment, and you can have some time with God. And when you're ready, after you've heard from him and you've got a word of encouragement from the Lord, we're just gonna ask you to stand and worship. But first, after you identify the component of the formula that that God's impressing on your heart that needs to change, I'm just going to ask you candidly, what's the relationship with your head bowed and your eyes closed, what's the relationship that's being hurt the most by your unrighteous anger? And maybe it's ice cold anger and you're just pushing it down and you got to, maybe it's the explosive kind. What is the relationship that's close to you, whether it's a husband or a wife or a a family member or a friend. There's people in the workplace. What is the relationship that is being damaged as a result of your inability to press in on this issue and allow the Lord to speak to you, to move? Identify it. Profess it and confess it. God wants you to conquer it through his strength. When you're ready, just ask him, what do you want me to do, Lord? And then sing with us.